July is winding down, but there are still plenty of days to transpire before this seventh month gives way to the eighth. Anything can happen, but most possibilities probably won't. What's happened so far? This 223rd installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement tells a little bit of the story, but you are encouraged to go back and do your own research. I'm your host and guide, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, another update on the redevelopment of Southwood Mobile Home Park by Habitat for Humanity of Greater Charlottesville. The spotted lanternfly is spotted in Albemarle. Two Virginia community colleges will have new names, and Virginia Governor Ralph Northam announces federal funding for water and wastewater projects. In today's Patreon-fueled shout-out, help support Black-owned businesses in the Charlottesville area. Check out the Charlottesville Black Business Directory at cvilleblackbiz.com and choose between a variety of goods and services, ranging from beauty supplies, professional services, and e-commerce. Visit cvilleblackbiz.com as soon as you can to get started. Governor Ralph Northam has announced plans to use $411.5 million of the state's share of the American Rescue Plan Act funding to invest in water and sewer infrastructure throughout Virginia. There is no list of projects provided in the release, but the announcement does state that $186.5 million will go to wastewater treatment plants, $125 million will go to assist Richmond, Alexandria, and Lynchburg replace their combined sewer overflow systems, and $100 million will go to water systems in small and disadvantaged communities. The Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority was set to discuss how it may seek out ARPA funds at its meeting today, and I'll have that information in a future newsletter. Yesterday, Governor Ralph Northam announced $250 million in ARPA funds to improve ventilation in public schools, and those projects will all require local matches. Earlier this month, Northam announced the use of more than $200,000 to bolster grants from the Virginia Main Street program that is run by the Virginia Department of Housing and Community Development. Several communities in the general area received funding. These are the town of Farmville, which will receive $25,000 for a wayfinding system. The town of Orange will receive $25,000 for the Orange Downtown Association and the Orange County African American Historical Society for placemaking in a town park. The town of Alta Vista will receive $20,000 to add to an existing grant for the town's downtown business investment program to fill empty storefronts, and Nelson County will receive $7,000 to create a market analysis and retail gap analysis for the village of Lovingston. An invasive insect that threatens a wide range of crops has been spotted in Albemarle County. The Virginia Cooperative Extension has confirmed the presence of Spotted Lanternfly this month. The extension is a service of Virginia Tech and Virginia State University, whose communication staff prepared an informational video. The Spotted Lanternfly, an invasive bug from China, has been wrecking havoc on agricultural crops and causing a nuisance in the Northeast since 2014. Now, the pest has found its way to Virginia. The insect can attack everything from peach and apple trees to hops and grapes. 
Extension agents have been training volunteers to monitor for the spotted lanternfly. Visit the Extension's website to learn more and to find out how to report the species if you see a specimen. Two community colleges in Virginia will have new names next year, and another has added one character to its title. The State Board of Community Colleges approved the changes last Thursday. John Tyler Community College in Chesterfield County will become Bright Point Community College, and Lord Fairfax Community College in Fauquier County and other counties will become Laurel Ridge Community College. Patrick Henry Community College will add an ampersand to become Patrick and Henry Community College due to it serving two Southside counties in that area. All 23 colleges in the system are re-examining their names and the names of their buildings. John Tyler was the 10th President of the United States and a slaveholder who eventually served in the Confederate House of Representatives. In the case of Lord Fairfax, the school's website states that before the institution opened, minutes from 1969 revealed that there was a struggle to come up with a name. Here's a statement from the Laurel Ridge Community College website. The work group unanimously agreed, based on his history and lack of any notable legacy, that if the college were being named today, the group would not recommend it be named for Thomas, the sixth Lord Fairfax. At least two other community colleges are expected to change their names. These are Dabney S. Lancaster Community College in Clifton Forge and Buena Vista, and Thomas Nelson Community College in Hampton Roads. In today's second subscriber-supported public service announcement, on Thursday, July 29th, the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society will turn the spotlight on four interns who have been helping the organization on topics this summer. Tune in on YouTube or Facebook at noon to learn about work to identify people buried in the early 19th century in unmarked graves at Penn Park, how Sevilpedia is being updated to have a more broad perspective on local history, and to learn more about the ACHS's Race and Sports Project. The event is part of the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society's Unregulated Meanderings series. And now the main segment for today's program... In 2007, Habitat for Humanity of Greater Charlottesville purchased the Southwood Mobile Home Park in Albemarle County's Southern Growth Area for $7 million. Since then, the nonprofit agency has served as the landlord of the site, which currently has about 1,500 residents in 341 mobile homes. Since then, Habitat has been planning to redevelopment on a bigger scale than at the 16-unit Sunrise Trailer Court on Carlton Road. Megan Nadustup is a planner with Albemarle County. In 2016, the county partnered with Habitat um, through a board resolution. And then for fiscal year 17 and 19, the board of supervisors included in their strategic plan initiative, revitalizing urban neighborhoods. In 2018, the board agreed to contribute $675,000 to assist Habitat in the preparation of its rezoning application for the first phase. In 2019, Habitat, the Board of Supervisors, and the Albemarle Economic Development Authority 
entered into a performance agreement through which Albemarle would provide up to $1.8 million to help fund construction of affordable housing, as well as $1.4 million in property tax rebates. In August of that year, supervisors approved the first rezoning from R2 to neighborhood model development. 450 maximum units were approved in this phase one. The units included a mixture of residential townhomes, multifamily, single family, duplexes. A maximum of 50,000 square feet of non-residential was permitted under the Code of Development. Construction of several blocks is underway, and planning continues for various stages of the review process. Some of the first units to go through the site plan process are the ones being constructed by Piedmont Housing Alliance using low-income housing tax credits in Block 11 and 12. In all, Piedmont Housing is seeking to build 121 rental units in the Southwood Apartments. Blocks 9, 10, and the rest of 11 are mostly market-rate townhomes on the future New Horizon Drive, and these are to be built by Atlantic Builders. There are 16 affordable townhomes. Village 1 consists of Blocks 5, 6, and 8, with parts of Blocks 3 and 4. There are a wide range of unit types in this area. An illustrative plan depicts what developer is building what units and where. In all, 287 units are planned so far, according to that chart, with planning to get underway on Village 2 in the future. Dan Rosenzweig is the Chief Executive Officer at Habitat for Humanity of Greater Charlottesville. We all know that you took a bit of a leap of faith with us when you approved or recommended this for approval um, about two years ago. Uh, This is something a little bit different in that it was uh, organized as a block plan, which created a framework, a regulatory framework, but created flexibility for cohorts of residents to design the various moments within the, uh, the new development. During his presentation, Rosenzweig took the Planning Commission on a video fly-through of these sections, which you can watch as part of the YouTube video of the Planning Commission's July 13th meeting. That's also the best way to get a full sense of where the project is at the moment. One small detail, the first floors of each of the buildings that make up Southwood Apartments will be 12 feet high, which Rosenzweig said will allow them to serve as commercial at some point in the life cycle of those buildings. Here's another detail about the architecture of some of the residential units in Village 1. One of the things that's very important to us at Habitat, I know it was important to you all through the rezoning process, was that you can't tell Habitat units from market rate units. And so on every block, there's a mixture of Habitat homes and market rate homes. And we've coordinated with the uh, with the market rate builders to make sure our architecture matches up. Rosenzweig said that during the rezoning, Habitat agreed to make 15% of the housing in the first phase below market through various interventions to bring down the cost to future residents. That would have been 50 of the 335 total units. Uh, We ended up with uh, 207 affordable units out of the 335 or 62%. Uh, That breakdown is about 80 habitat units for purchase, six habitat units for rent. And that will toggle a little bit. Some of the families may rent originally and and then purchase the ones that they're renting. And as I mentioned, Piedmont Housing Alliance is building the rest of the subsidized units. The original plan had been to not move any of the mobile homes during the first phase, but Rosenzweig said 25 units have had to be moved. In the initial phase, we had hoped not to move anybody at all. Uh, That's why we developed Greenfields at first. We thought we may have to move a few. We've had to move a few more than we thought, 
but none of them offsite. So um, out of an abundance of caution, we're working with 25 families that are adjacent to the first construction zone that really were a little too close for comfort. So far, 11 of the 25 trailers have been moved to other sections of the park, and others should be moved by September. Rosenzweig said Habitat has accumulated many trailers in its 14 years operating the site and was able to provide those in situations where the original structure could not be moved. As for construction of new units, Habitat's chief construction officer said the first lots will be turned over to developers sometime this fall. Here's Andrew Viniski. Uh, we anticipate our first five Habitat homes and likely the first four market rate homes to be delivered sometime early next summer. Work is underway now on the phasing for the rest of the Sunrise development. Attorney Lori Schweller of the firm Williams Mullen said staff has made a recommendation on how to proceed. We have been working closely with staff to plan for submittal of phase two and have been advised that an amendment to the existing zoning makes the most sense. So we are preparing our concept plan and new code of development and hope to submit that in the fall. Commissioner Karen Firehawk had several questions related to affordability. What percent or total number of the original units that you showed us a couple of years ago were supposed to be occupied by Southwood residents? And then how many are currently committed to existing residents? So I'm trying to understand your success rate. It's actually going pretty well. Um, we we um, essentially canvassed the neighborhood. And um, if you recall, we've had numerous families have been working for the, toward this for, for a while. So our first application process took part in the spring and we had 25 families step forward. Uh, this is, remember, there's 49 homes in the first village, um, but they're not all going to get built next year. There's about 20 to 25 they're going to get built every year. So that was about the right number of families that we needed for the first uh, to fill up the first buildings that we're building. Rosenzweig said the second application process will begin in August, and he expects all 86 Habitat units scheduled in the first phase to be occupied by current Southwood families. We can't force anybody to stay in the neighborhood, and so there will be some families who leave, um, and we're working one-on-one on a strategy with all of them. Rosenzweig did not have a breakdown on the annual income for the first cohort of families at Southwood, but he said the average AMI for a Habitat family elsewhere in the community is 32% of the area median income. Commissioner Tim Keller went back to the 1,500 people who are believed to be living at Southwood currently. He said with just over 200 units in the first phase so far, that might not be enough to accommodate all current residents who might want to live there. I'm concerned, at least with what we've seen so far, that there could actually be a net loss. Rosenzweig said that there is more of Southwood to be redeveloped. This is phase one. So this is 30 acres out of 123. So there are 207 affordable homes on um, on roughly a fifth of the site. Uh, there's um, uh, there's a, a area four to five times the size of what phase one is that will accommodate more affordable housing. And so when we come back uh, for the second phase of rezoning, uh, that's where the additional density of affordable housing and and um, market rate housing will be. Keller said the numbers of affordable units often appear to be in flux. It seems like each time we have these discussions, we're told that there are going to be answers in the future. And, it, and I just can't believe that, that 
that you can be doing this without having those kinds of projections. Commission Chair Julian Bivens noticed that of all the affordable rental units appeared to be clustered, with the 120 rentals to be built by Piedmont Housing Alliance in Block 12 and many of the Habitat units clustered in the middle of Village 1. Instead of seeing all of the affordable housing units grouped together, which means that people will sort of co-locate. When you bring this back for the second time, that will be one of the things that I'm going to key off of. More on the Southwood development as it continues. For more information, do read an article in the Daily Progress by Allison Rabel. It's noted as a link in the newsletter. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, another catch-up edition as we try to get through this month of July, a very busy month so far. And what will August be? Probably August. In any case, I am Sean Tubbs, your host, and I really do appreciate you listening to these. Just want to give a thank you to everybody who has signed up through Substack so far this month. What that does is it allows me to bill Ting for a matching to whatever that subscription is. So if it's $5 a month, that's $5 a month that Ting will pay. If it's $50 a year, Ting will match that. $200 a year founders subscription, Ting will match that as well. And you get some extra perks, including shout-out capabilities uh, at that $200 level, which does support me doing this work. I will be back in the near future with another installment of this program. In the meantime, please send it on to others, and let's help continue to build the audience. We are about to hit a very important milestone, and uh, your work in helping to share this uh, would be much appreciated. And I appreciate you listening and reading. Thanks a lot. Stay safe. See you next time.